All right, and with Wayne, day after the victory over... Who did we play again? David Moyes' West Ham. How can you forget David, David Moyes' West Ham? Yeah, God. I was like, how could I forget David Moyes? Well, that's the thing. How are you doing, Wayne, first of all? I, I'm all right, thank you. I'm very good. How are you? I, I'm very good, thank you. At first, I want to say congratulations on your book launch, Eternal. The thank you. The biography of Duncan Edwards seems to have been extremely successful, run out of print. I personally went into two independent bookstores to look for it and ask for it, and they didn't have it. Disgraceful, so I prompted them to go buy a copy or two. It's, it's it's funny because it's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? You, you kind of want it to be in demand, but you want people to be reading it as well. You know me. Glass off full, so I'm trying to say, all right, well, I'm indulging in the sort of popularity of, oh, let, let's, let's say that it's a crazy popular book and... Um, and people need to get hold of it, which I haven't really done for a book before, not least because they don't usually go to a second print run before the book is even out. But, yeah, do you know what? We were talking about this before. It is a weird business releasing a book. You have all the nervousness, the anxiety that comes before a release, and then it comes out and people are dead nice about it. And then you're grateful, but also it's a little bit flat because it's... He's a little bit like what we were worried for, that kind of thing. Right. But like I said, the, the main thing, and I've never lost perspective of this, it's always, especially when it's some someone like Duncan or Jimmy Murphy or George Best, the main thing is, yes. are the family, are the family right. happy with it? Are they happy with the direction that you took? Are they happy with the way that it ended up? And thankfully, everyone has been so far, and that's no different with this one. And obviously, okay. with it being Duncan, it's a very precious name, and yeah, his family like it. So that's yeah, and really... emotive. I am. I'm, I'm. Thank you for sending me a digital copy. I'm going to get a physical copy, but I'm part of the way through it. We are going to do a special with Wayne anyway to talk about Duncan Edwards, and I think it will be me and Dan because he obviously has an interest in the Busby link, having done worked on a, a script there. And and Wayne and we'll do a special and we'll get that out maybe next week. We'll yeah. find time in the day for, for all three of us to talk. And and also while I'm plugging stuff, also going to be doing one with Nuruddin Chowdhury or Noz or Bidu Genius, whatever you. He's I, done his his book, and you were at an event with him very yes. recently, weren't you? So yeah, yeah, I got to meet him for the first time, and yeah, his book sounds really interesting. We were actually talking about well, I wasn't talking about Duncan Edwards, I was talking about Eric Cantona, which was yes. kind of like a nice break from all the stuff talking about Duncan all the time, but he was there talking about the cultural impacts of Cantona and growing up in Manchester as a United yeah. fan. And it sounds like a really interesting read, so I'll definitely be having a listen of that. Yes, I'm, well. I, I haven't got around to reading that one yet, but I will do. I was thinking, so I, I think I'm going to do that one with Dan as well as Noz. It sounds like the start of a really bad joke. What happens when a... Uh, a Jew, a Muslim and an atheist get in the room together and talk about Manchester United. But yeah, there you go. Football brings people together. Absolutely. Uh, and there's nothing better to bring people together than sticking one over David Moyes, which is what United did yesterday. I always enjoy it. I, I still really resent him. Yeah, I don't know why. 10 years on and I just, I really hate the guy. He looks so happy when they were one up and he looks so unhappy when they were three one up. Oh man, the yeah. look on his face. I, I, I won't say exactly what people were saying in the WhatsApp group, but a friend was mentioning the links between David Moyes' daughter and Wilfred Zahar and it was like, David Moyes looks like he's just found out that was true after <laughs> all. Good grief. Wolf's a lovely guy, he should be very happy about it. 
Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah he, had a, <laughs> he had a face of thunder after West Ham yeah. gave up their lead yesterday. I I found it funny that over the last week, I, I don't know if people will agree with me, but my theory is that the modern Manchester United the slip away from the Ferguson identity sort of more or less started when David Moyes said we'll try and make it difficult for Newcastle to come to Old Trafford in December 2013. And it's kind of nice, not not that I'm particularly happy that it was David Moyes that we beat, but to beat Newcastle and then David Moyes in the same week and feel like it's how we're united again is, I guess, there's some poetry there, <laughs> I guess, in yes. football terms. But, yeah, it's, it was very unhappy. But to be fair, West Ham... The last two games in the league, they've run as close to getting a result. They, I think both of them were 1-0. And they played quite well yesterday. That obviously were counting for United's changes. And then they finished like a David Moyes team finish. Very and indeed. United took advantage. It, it was interesting. Quite a lot of changes from Ten Hag. Obviously, at the back, three changes from his probably his first choice. And in midfield, no Casemiro to start at least, and uh, and Garnacho came in on the left-hand side. So it was more rotation than perhaps Ten Hag normally does and, and totally understand, completely 100% understandable given the insane schedule there has been and to come. Well, there's just no breaks ever. Yeah. And so he needs to make those changes to keep people fresh. I was surprised Bruno played because we know what happens to Bruno's form when he's played too much. Yeah really drops off a cliff. It's difficult to know with him. He's the one player, unless unless you envisage a system where he's playing on the right-hand side, it's difficult to envisage where he gets dropped from this yeah. team because there's no replacement to come in for him. I'm not saying that there's a replacement for Casemiro, but you know what I'm trying to say. He's a very unique mm-hmm. individual. It's very difficult to replace that skill set and and put a, another Bruno in that team. We don't have Ericsson. Right. I guess that's what Ericsson would be perfect for, but we don't have him. So it is a and case of... And he's less of, intense, Ericsson, when he's in yeah. there. Yeah, Ten Hag is so effusive in his praise of Bruno. I think he really likes him, but he's a completely unique player in football, isn't he? But Ten Hag also talks up Bruno playing wide, right, wider right quite a lot. And I, th- I think it... As long as you have the direct penetration on the other side, it works okay. I mean, he's not going to be a touchline hugger, and he didn't do that last night. But when he does it, he plays like a wide number 10, much like when Sancho comes in, he plays like a wide number 10 on the left-hand side if he plays off the left. You need the direct penetration as well to balance it out. Otherwise, it becomes a bit static, especially with Veghorst there doing his best Alex Ferguson statue impression. You for the um, listeners, Ed put his hands up, but we all know the Ferguson statue. His hands are down. What a Ferguson his statue! His hands are down. Yeah, why was I thinking there? Were I, I don't know. You were thinking of statue. Christ the Redeemer, which, to, to be yeah. fair, a lot of the praise for Vout Beghorst, he may well be the second coming of Christ. Because I'll tell you this, Ed, I love him. I've never loved uh, uh, a non-goal yep. scoring centre forward more than what I've loved Vout Beghorst. He's he's great. He's great for what we need him yes. for. Let's That's put what the caveats in there, yes. Yeah. He, he's not the, the best football, footballer on the planet. Ten Hag was talking in, in his post-match yesterday about he, how he thinks the goals will come once he really underst- understands the system. And I don't know whether that's true or not. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe it. His finishing isn't particularly good uh, and he's not getting the chances, really. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe he believes he'll get the chances and, and the goals will come. But, but 
for work rate, you know, yeah. that, that, that pressing forward piece, he's, he's very good there. He's not bad with the ball at his feet. He does make the right decision most of the time when he gets it. He doesn't get the ball loads because I, I, I think actually his work rate when in non-defensive, like with mo- the movement into the channels and stuff to get the ball in spaces or the half spaces, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's that good really. So you see he gets like 35 touches a game or something like that, not not 80, <laughs> but I don't He's still trying to figure I, I, there's it nothing out, to, Yeah, there's nothing to dislike about him, is there? And oh. he, he's loving, and, and you know what I like? He's loving every single moment of being yeah. a, a United player because he knows it might last that long. Yeah, I, I, people might, unkind people might go back to Igalo and, and remember the first couple of weeks or first couple of months before lockdown and how he loved playing for United and how he, he scored some opportune goals. What Vegos brings is a different kind of dimension to the team. I mean, he does bring value. Let's let's We're poking a bit of fun of his sterile form in front of goal, but his value to the team is immense. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. I, I'm trying to figure him out because I look at him, I think what he contributes on an attacking sense with the ball is fairly minimal, but he, he's tracking back wide. His defensive work when we don't have the ball. He's yeah. pressing, like the, I know, yes, pressing, and we talked about Ronaldo not doing it earlier in the season, and now you see the difference because if he's not scoring, but his presses result in two goals, then yes. what can you say? Do you know it's, that's uh, United's fair... ball recoveries high up the pitch are good? I mean, it's, I think we were talking about it on the last pod how United, Ten Hag is a pragmatist as a coach, but he's a pragmatist in a good way it's not in the kind of Mourinho it's like you have to win otherwise this is a waste of time kind of way he's not a maximalist in in that sense he under he like for for this time when United are playing a lot of games they've given up the ball a lot he did on Sunday against Newcastle did against Barcelona too even even Leicester in order to win the ball back in the transition by pressing high up the pitch and the United are doing pretty well at at, at yeah. that and also conserve energy in a team that is frankly knackered and he's that's what i mean by pragmatist he works out a way to win in particular games and if it's not working plan a he always has a plan b yeah and the plan b is different that's what i really like about him ollie ollie love ollie for everything but his plan a and his plan b were the same thing just with slightly <laughs> different players or in the case of Villarreal in the europa league final no different players at all it was only plan A. Doesn't matter if it worked or not. Just plan A. Yeah. Ten Hag has a plan B, and sometimes a plan C too. And he's very specific about it, and he knows what it is and why he's doing it. And you've got to love that. Yeah, I, I think the other thing as well. When we're saying pragmatist, be careful to the listeners who may think, "Oh, Van Gaal, Mourinho." I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of economy in what he's doing, and, and everything that he's doing is still to win a game in an entertaining fashion. That's the philosophy of football that he's got. It's not Mourinho pragmatism. This is a team that's set out to entertain. It's set out, but he he makes the most of everything. I mean, we we can talk about where we were a year ago, and I've done that a lot over this last sort of two weeks, and, and look at how we were making the least out of what we had. And now I look at this team and everyone is making the most out of what they've got and right there while, while we're praising tenog i did want to and i have posted this on my social media as well i do want to praise the players because we we just before we came on air 
I said it was a sprinkle of before and a sprinkle of the new, a sprinkle of the old and a sprinkle of the new. And when I said sprinkle of the old, I was being fairly damning of like the way that we played because we were quite poor in the first half. We were slow, we were laboured, all the old stuff that we were, we were familiar with. But we were never as soulless as we were at the end of last season. And we, when he makes the changes like he did, so he made five or six changes, and you know that you're going to get a drop-off in performance, and we did, it was still enough to preserve the game. All right, yes, we went one goal down, but then he was already making changes before then. He, he brought on Casemiro. He was already preparing to bring on Rashford in, to, to sort of change that game as well. He was already doing those things before we went to goal down. So what I mean is the the, the floor of where we were is a lot higher. He knows what he's doing with that team. He's got a better sort of grasp on squad management. Like earlier in the season, he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, he was getting used to it. Like Sociedad, it was difficult. And obviously the first two games as well. But now he knows horses for courses, which players can play in which games. How can we get away with playing Maguire in certain games because of how ponderous we can be on the ball? And he's getting there. He's getting there. Like you said, every major note is getting right. And even mm-hmm. then, yesterday, when it doesn't seem like the starting lineup is right, I'm not going to say he gets away with it. I think it was planned. He knew what he was doing. And yeah. it, it gave the players, I mean, they only needed half an hour in the end to think about it. The point is, that I just wanted to, all the praise is going to be for Ten Hag because of the way that he managed that situation. But I also do want to praise the players because I, I was first to give them a lot of criticism over the last year. And they've stood up as well. They're pulling performance. Fred is playing like I didn't think he was capable of. Yeah. 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 He has as many goals as Chelsea have since November. (laughs) I think someone was pointing out. (laughs) It's cruel, but true. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm with you. We hated this team, didn't we? And there's a few new faces, but a lot of the old as well. And we hated their performances and their attitude and what they seem to stand for. And it's completely revolutionised. And, and of course, I'm going to praise Ten Hag again because the leadership really matters, but they have yeah. responded to his demands. And he's very, very demanding. He's demanding of standards and there are consequences, which we, we complained about, you me, a lot. Yeah. There were no consequences for bad performances. Now there are. Yeah. And, and yeah. in almost yeah. every position, there, there is a replacement there. Might not be perfect. The, Might not be perfect. The there is. To the point where you almost felt sorry for McTominay yesterday being brought off for Casemiro. Well, I did. I certainly felt like... I, I know he wasn't great, but it's like, oh, here comes Casemiro to save the day. But I do feel a little bit sorry for McTominay, whereas, like, a year ago, I'd be like, it was, not McTominay in particular, but if a player was having a stinker, it was like, just, oh, God, put all of us out of our misery with this with a substitution for whatever reason. Now, I, I felt a little bit of sympathy for him because it's not... For McTominay in particular, it's not good for him to watch this parade go by. And I saw him at some times in the first half, and other people might disagree with me. I saw Scott McTominay trying to do the things that Casemiro does. Like he was showing a little bit more for the ball. He was trying to play the kind of balls that Casemiro plays, which you don't normally see from McTominay, but he's just, he's not Casemiro. Do you know what I mean? And He, he is not. He doesn't have the, the kind of cute face either and he doesn't <laughs> 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 I'm sorry Scott 
Yeah, the the hiding the hiding in the shadows, the passing lanes that McTominay did a lot, and a lot of a lot of people identified. I don't know whether he'll ever fix that. I, I'd be surprised if he's ever had a game where he got a hundred passes, for example, right? Because he's just not in the right place. Whereas Casemiro would do that in his sleep, right? He could have a bad game and still um, make a hundred passes. And and so yeah, definitely not the perfect replacement there. I wonder whether, given United's financial position, he might be one that's identified as a a possible exit. You don't want to see academy players go, really. But if he's not going to be used very much, then then we'll see. I mean, United do need to make some sales this summer. It's a different different topic. Anyway, yesterday, yes, not not perfect from Scott. Did get dragged off in the end. The substitutes saved the day. Well, substitutes changed the dynamic, didn't they? Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it was a bit of Garnet and Garnacho magic that, that saved the day. God, what a shot. I, honestly, oh. the more I watch that, the better that shot gets. The first touch, first is... touch is magnificent because it's not just like glued to his foot, in which case he wouldn't have got the shot off. He touched it away from his body so he could make the shot. The bounce is just... Oh my god, it's magnificent! I want to go off this podcast to watch it again. Sorry, I'm just going to do it. Bye. <laughs> I'm all kidding, but but I, that's I, I love it so You need a moment so alone, do you? <laughs> yeah, compose myself. No, it, what a what a touch, what a shot, and I know a lot of people have compared it with Makeda, but the technique is better than that. I mean, it obviously is because it's the way that it just bends into the net, and I like this kid. I really do a lot. Yeah, there was yeah. ex-host Paul sent me a message on, on on WhatsApp after I'd put out a tweet saying, "Is he still crap? <laughs> virgins?" Question <laughs> mark. It was like Ed making jokes that he would make when he was fifteen years old. Yes, I know it was childish. I know, and I'm subtweeting some people who made a big fuss about Garnacho not being good enough. The kid's ceiling is is as high as it gets. He's eighteen years old. There's he's 18 years old. Almost no players. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but almost no players hit their peak at 18. Uh, and I feel like we we know what he's got, all the tools, and he doesn't always put it together for the full 90 minutes. But what 18 year olds do? So exactly. few in the history of football. I yeah. mean, I can remember gigs at 18 being fairly complete. Rooney was a different beast. Yeah. The, the things that you see with Garnacho are definitely the things that inexperience will, he'll lose with more experience. You know, his decision-making will improve. But you, you kind of like the selfishness at this point because that's what like, it's what won the game for us yesterday. It's what's won a couple of games for us in the past. I do like when you watch him play, again, the crossing isn't great, but he's trying with the crossing. Do you know what I mean? That's another thing. <laughs> and maybe Ghost being the target man is, a, is another thing. But yeah, at least he's trying. He's learning his trade while he's in the team. And I think the impact's been magnificent. There are other like, comparisons to make, like Yanazai would be one, a teenager who broke into the side. I and... do think people go to that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely something more solid with Garnacho. Maybe that's just recency bias there. But I feel yeah. like there's there's more of a... Um, like Yanazai was like a flash in the pan kind of thing, and you wondered how. I don't. Maybe he wasn't managed very well for after he after he burst into the side. Whereas Garnacho is being managed very well, and the the right. raw edges, the raw things that you see of him, of him, you don't think he's a long way off. If you get what I mean. No. Whereas Yanazai, when you saw his raw edges, you thought, no, he's a long way off. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure what held Yanazai back. 
Totally. I mean, he's had a decent career, yeah. hasn't he? It's been a long time at Real Sociedad. I think is he at Valencia now or Sevilla? I can't remember. One of the, one of the two he went to in the summer, and so he's had a good career. Was it as good as it could have been? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe there more could have been made. Maybe he didn't get the right management. But it, I mean, if there's a manager in the world that has got a better record of taking raw young players and turning them into really world class players. There aren't many that have got a better record than Ten Hag has. Got a really good one. Yeah. You look at what he did with that Ajax side. The Ajax side that United beat, talking of pragmatic football, in Stockholm, and two years later was a kick away from the Champions League final. Basically the same side. And and I know Ten Hag wasn't manager for all of that, but he did a remarkable job of polishing some of those those raw elements and and I think he'll do that with Garnacho and he's been careful with the amount of time he gets and he's rolling the team and he's very specific about he what what he wants and hopefully Garnacho is responding to that seems to be anyway yeah I felt a bit sorry for Garnacho that he didn't get on in the final but then I guess his reward was to play the full game the other night and it was difficult yeah. in the final because there were you knew that if United were comfortable in the last 10 minutes that they would make all the changes that they made because Ten Hag was trying to be fair and I, I, I think he, he did a fair job with that. It's just unfortunate well, for Garnacho. Well, pity two minutes, didn't he? Yeah, but so. yeah, I guess you guys have already talked about this. In the, but I don't have a problem with any of that. I think it was managed brilliantly, even the, yeah. the, the dual lifting of the trophy because people might disagree again. But I think when you look at Ten Hag, all the big notes again that he's hitting right. You don't want to be pissing people off for no reason. And perfectly fair, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what about it? Like, and, and it's not John Terry, is it? No. <laughs> and you know what? In the in the week, in the like sort of two days before, there were the quotes from Maguire about I really want to lift my first trophy as Manchester United captain. And that, that was the obvious like you know, I don't know, come and get me, plea, but come and play me, plea, kind of thing. And I, I felt a little bit bad and we were tuning a little bit. Anyway, the point is that Tenog is another piece of masterful management from Tenog because he's kept him happy. And Tenog, we, we get the feeling that Maguire could be quite disruptive and he's managed to keep that fairly perfect bubbling over and yeah. all the squad management with Garnacho again because Garnacho could easily have been unhappy that he wasn't one of the players to get on the pitch on Sunday, but instead he plays he plays well and scores a magnificent goal to send United on the precipice of another Wembley appearance, which I would yeah, envisage I mean, he'll probably playing if he gets there that time. You really can, yeah. And I know we're 24 minutes into this podcast and I feel like we've almost not talked about the game, talked about everything around it. But, yeah. But, <laughs> Let's I talk mean, about David Moyes. <laughs> yeah, love him. Love it. Yeah. Have I ever said how much I love David Moyes? <laughs> <laughs> it's still, by the way, the most downloaded podcast in 618 podcasts we've done, plus all the bonus podcasts we do for backers. NQ, uh, Patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, a dollar a month. I don't know why it's still in dollars, but it is. Dollar a month if you love us, five dollars if you want the extra show, just get the plug in there. And well anyway, 618 podcasts, the most downloaded one ever was the one where Moyes got sacked. And yeah. We've anyway. won trophies, man. We've won trophies. What We've are you won doing? trophies, but what people wanted more than anything was to talk about Moyes getting sacked. <laughs> That's some pent up frustration, right there. Guys, hey, I shouldn't be on. mean to the guy. It's ten years ago. I, I should have. I should have. Like the trauma has gone, right? I should. I should have had closure by now, and I should have moved on with my life. 
But every time I see his face, it's just such a punchable face. Metaphorically, not not physically. Yeah, just, don't, yeah. he's not inciting. Yeah. He, he's just he's just joking around, guys. And I don't have the same kind of resentment as you. I, and I, but I do. I, it's funny that like it's the same problem all the time. That it's funny when we win. Anyway, do you know that when you win and you can see the same kind of things all the time and. He looks so happy. Because I, I remember a couple of years ago, and I don't know if it was his first spell as West Ham manager or his second one. Do you remember the one, the game down there, and the ball probably went out over the touchline? Uh, there's a long ball down the side. I think it was pulled back for Pogba, and he hit it, one of his five great goals for United. But it went out over the touchline, and he never shut up about it for about three weeks. And right. <laughs> I don't know why that, maybe I all are more of a grudge than I than I originally thought. But there's just something funny about that sort of like, oh I'm gonna win at Old Trafford finally. Like, oh no. I haven't again. Moise will moise it up. Yeah, and he certainly so, moise it up in the yeah, end. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway. You're you're right. We're we're on the precipice of another Wembley appearance. The semi final will be at Wembley. We've got Fulham at home in the next round, the tenth home cup draw in a row hmm. someone I, it's 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 two to the power of 10 right so 1024 to one if my quick math is correct it is uh, someone at the fa is doing us a solid and giving us all well i tell you who's really happy about this the glazer boys because united make about five million pounds per that money went out first thing this morning they were not oh yeah around. yeah they were like oh bank account full again we'll have some of that thank you Ding. yeah the venmo oh, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh god yeah you know, they need a premium account to send that much money over venmo and i can't believe the the glazer boys would would do that anyway <laughs> anyway another home draw fulham are doing okay but Let's just say United are, are favourites for that, and then then there'll be a Wembley semi final. And with all the teams that have gone out, Spurs out, Newcastle out, Arsenal out, Liverpool out, Chelsea out, mm. City are the ones we're looking at, I guess. Yep. yep. We um, have not lost to City in a major final yet. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. How, how many f- major finals have we played them in? None. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the gods are on our side or or against us. Yeah, would you want to play them in a final? Oh, God, this I, season. I dread the thought. I dread the thought of it. I mean, this season, I'd still give us a good chance of winning. Yeah, because they're inconsistent. Pep would do an absolute madness tactically, play a rush keeper or something, and because he does, or six up front, and I would back Ten Hag to find a, find a way. Yeah. I, so. I don't know. I mean, you've got to be... The team that's in front of you, like we've been, like Martin Keown was so unhappy to accept with the the League Cup run, but <laughs> yeah. he he was not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, there is something about like beating a big team, like yeah, in the semi final because they're great, but the final, if you're going to play City at Wembley, might as well play them in the final, and it's not the same as getting one over on Barcelona 2011. But we we just got one over on Barcelona, so get one over yeah. back on Pep at Wembley. That'd be nice. Yeah, and yeah. do you know what? I was having this conversation earlier with someone, and the my thought went to when we won the title in 2007, and we lost the cup final that season to Chelsea. But people don't really remember that we lost the final. We you remember that we won the the title, so. 
I don't necessarily think it'd be think it'd be ending the season on a massive downer if we if we lost the final at Wembley. So so long as everything else that comes before it is better because it's exceeding what we expected. Do you know what I mean? So that's that's fair enough. Although City fans would talk about it forever, like the way they talked about the the five one. Yeah. It was like the only thing that mattered to them, even when they were playing in League Two. Okay, semi-final then. We'll have them semi-final. Three thousand people watching City versus Grimsby in the third tier of English football, and the only thing they wanted to talk about was the five-one. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Cause they had fifty thousand on that hill at Ewood, which is some great math. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I mean, I guess we've, we we sort of covered the game. Congratulations, you know. Well, well, three, no, it's, three, it's, three. Did we? Did we? Did we praise? We definitely praised Vegas for setting up Fred. Yep. Did we praise Fred for scoring again? Oh yeah, because we said he scored six. Yeah, which he is, scored again, and he didn't shin this one. It's like delicately put in with his left foot. He, he did the keeper with the eyes. He was like, "Do you yeah. know what? You, you're going there because I'm, I'm an expert finisher now." I, I mean, if it was the Fred of old, I would have said he'd shanked it, but no, it, was, oh, it, it is it is new Fred who's well, now competent at many things. Let, let's talk about the the controversy. Was it out? Was it out for you? Oh, the ball. Yeah, I mean the the amazing thing about lines and balls is that they work in three dimensional space. Yeah, that is amazing. So I've, seen, I've seen all the to quote my earlier tweet virgins on the internet <laughs> trying to argue that the ball was out with pictures from weird angles. But yeah, it, it, the the one millimeter at the edge of the ball meets one millimeter at the edge of the line that is in, and I, I suspect it was in. It's a good finish, to be fair. Yeah. It's really good finish, and I know some people have criticised the sort of slow defending, and I'm not going to disappoint you. I think it was slow reactive defending, but it was a beautiful finish, and it woke United up. And without that goal, you don't get the illustrious finish. And I was quite happy with that finish. Ed, I got to say, I, I like you've got to have a little bit of jeopardy in there, otherwise it's not Manchester United, even if it is yeah. David Moyes, and it's not really jeopardy. Slow defending, unfortunately, is what we get with the certain members of the squad. After the game, Ten Hag, he actually he praised Maguire, but it was it was faint praise. He and he talked about why he plays on the right now, not the left. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Maguire spent most of his time on the left, uh, and then he said, "I like my players to play with intensity." And I'm like, "Hmm, that's not Harry, is it? <laughs> it's really not Harry." And he just kept saying this intensity. So, I, yeah. I think Harry will be finding a new home next season, undoubtedly, yeah. if anyone will pay his wages and United a decent fee. But he did all right. If you, if you watch the first, I, I don't suppose you will. I don't suppose you've got any inclination to do it. But if you watch the first 20 minutes back of the game, because I was watching to see if they'd do this, they were, Maguire and Lindelof were looking for the first pass moving forward. They did it. Every time, and I stopped watching for it, but the first 20 minutes they were doing it every single time they were looking for the forward pass, first of all, right? Which obviously is instruction. They've been told, it, obviously, don't, yes. don't yeah. do this all the time because it's really frustrating. And so they've been told to do it, and yeah. they were trying to yeah, be yeah. fair to them. So that's probably why I, I think crazy. that's, I think that's very fair, and it's fair for you to point it out. And, and the frustration requires not that he's a bad passer, he's a slow passer. Mm. It just happens yeah. very slowly. And that's the lack of intensity, which I thought was pointed from, from Eric. And, yeah. and which is the, the polar opposite, say, Lissandro Martinez, who came on, who looks for that forward pass very, very quickly. I mean, does everything. 
quickly. Mm. He lives his life quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Most things the, the man is the man is intense. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Love him as well. Yeah. I liked that there was one moment where he just after he came on and he, he saw a raced up with a ball and then he, he punted it like it was a really aggressive through ball and it went flying out of play. But like what defender tries a through ball that goes out of play for a goal kick? Do you know what I mean? That's that's some high play from your centre back there. And no, I, yeah, I love him, obviously. That's yeah, the intensity is right. You are quite right to point that out. We have a game at the weekend. It's quite a big one. Was it against David Boyes? Uh, <laughs> David Moyes, next Liverpool manager. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the way season's going. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. I'd love that so much. Unlikely to happen, I think. So Liverpool, I some people don't like this game. I do. I, I love the intensity of the rivalry. Of course, it goes over the top sometimes. I think that's uh, not the default position. But I, I yeah, I love that football. When football means something is when I love it the most. I mean, I will watch any game in any league at any time, pretty much. But it's definitely better when it is really meaningful and this one really means something. And United are going to Anfield as favourites to win, I think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Again, been thinking about this and I don't enjoy it. I'm completely going to disagree with you there. I hate it. It's the worst game of the season. I, I don't like the experience of waking up and knowing that the game's coming. I don't like the experience of watching the game and I only enjoy it if if we've won and I can enjoy the few hours after that and the week after that, obviously. However, this, and I'm still not going to say I'm looking forward to it. That's a stretch too far. This is the most confident I've felt about going to Anfield this century of getting a result. Honestly, I'm going back many, many Ferguson appearances at Anfield this is the most, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm definitely 100% confident we're going to win the game, but it's the most confident I felt of getting right. a positive result there this century because yeah, I feel totally fair. they're in this state of flux. They never look convincing when I watch them. They're Obviously, they've got massive issues around their squad and we don't have a critical absentee in the form of Casemiro and Martinez are both going to play and they are the transformative players when it comes to our... And obviously their weaknesses as well, you know, I think Vegos could cause them some problems. I'm not predicting a Diego Fall contribution, however... Vegos sprints away from Virgil van Dijk to put one in the top corner, right? I'm not ruling it out either. I'm just saying it's there, but obviously you've got Alexander-Arnold, who's not great defensively, who Rashford can definitely exploit. Their, Their midfield, for the first time in... I don't want to say generation, but certainly five or six years, it looks like we can go there and boss that midfield or at least not be bossed out of the midfield. And... For sure. I mean, there's so much transformation in that that midfield. The, the I think that uh, people talk about the forwards with Liverpool and, and the, the importance of the style of forward they got. You know, yeah. The high-pressing, high intense, recover the ball up the field, make, force the mistakes, score the goals, right? That's That's been the... That's been part of the Klopp template. But even more important than that is the is the high-intensity midfield. I mean, if you, if you think about the midfield that's kind of got them close, won them trophies over the last few years, it's not because they're all brilliant players by any means. It was They were physical players. Henderson, Wijnaldum, physical players. Fabinho, yeah. 
sort of and and the, that midfield changed and it changed really specifically when Thiago came into it and just a very I mean brilliant on the ball when he's fit not fit very often but does not have that intensity and that, so the template changed and yeah. and now it's changed even more I mean I'm not sure who will get in that midfield now who's fit I mean I've forgotten how to say his name Bicetich yeah, the, the new the player. Young kid yeah. does look very good. He looks very good. Javier, Elliott, yeah, I don't know. We'll see about that. I'd, he might play, might be on the bench. Not as good. Talented, but not as good. So, but the midfield makeup looks completely different than it than it once did. And true, yeah, United. As long as we get enough of the ball, and I think probably I don't expect us to have the thirty five percent of the ball or whatever we had against Newcastle. I think we'll probably have a bit more possession forward against Liverpool. But as long as we get enough. We definitely will cause some problems in the wide areas. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah, there's so. been a, a few games there over the last few years. I'm thinking Mourinho, even Oli as well. Like, we never looked like we were going to score there, much less get a result. And now you're fairly confident we'll create a good few chances. And you can't see any reason why we wouldn't. And like you said earlier, we've got a plan B. If we an appealing plan, plan B as well, and, and and a proactive approach, yes, pragmatism again, but proactive in terms of he'll be looking. I mean, the run that we've been on, the run that Eric Tenag's been on, he'll want that massive scalp because he'll be sad that we, well, sad that we lost six three at City, that we lost at Arsenal. He he wants to go. You'll know this for it's got to be something that he's. That desperate to do, like a last minute equaliser against Chelsea, he'll be desperate to go to a big ground and get a win, like a famous win. And there's yeah. no reason to say that we won't do that on on Sunday. And that's right, yeah. that's right. I mean, went to the Camp Nou, should have won that game. Yeah, right. That creates so many chances, and I think United, especially in transitional moments, will create very good chances against this Liverpool side. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I'm salivating at the thought of. Balls in behind Alexander Arnold and the damage Rashford could cause. Yeah. I mean, because as as brilliant he as he is as a passer and a creator, he's just he's just nowhere defensively. He's all over the place. And still, I've seen some people try and argue that he's he's better than people give him credit for. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't. Every time I watch him, I'm like, okay, that's the space you attack. And Andy Robertson's form has fallen off a cliff as well. If I was picking. A couple of years ago, if I was picking a left back for my for my Premier League All Star Eleven, it would have been him. Now it's Luke Shaw. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I don't know how. The, the one thing is, I don't know how he'll play that front four because I've liked Vegas as the false ten and Rashford as the as as the number nine. But you would think Rashford can cause more damage playing from the left in this game. So that left impact. half space, yeah. yeah so, so it looks more like a traditional sort of Bruno at ten, Vekost at nine, Rashford wide left, and and who and Anthony on the right. Yeah, he's deserved. He's he does played that defensive well. work as well. He's played really well lately, and a, a lot of people are criticizing his lack of pace. And yeah, that has looked like it's been a concern. But you've seen the last sort of two or three games, Barcelona, Newcastle that there's a compensation there for that pace. He can he can hold off players when he gets in front of them, but there's a compensation there. It's not like, oh, he's slow and that's the end of it. He does other things that, that he brings to the game and he's enjoying a decent run of form, so I don't see a reason yeah. why he shouldn't start, to be fair. 
Ten Hag loves him. I mean, and and he's he's disciplined, tactically disciplined. He gets into right positions. I liked against Newcastle how he carried the ball more. That's what we saw when he was at Ajax. Yeah, he he didn't do that in the first sort of you know, twenty. 20 appearances for United, not as much as I thought he would anyway. So I like that directness. He's not super, super quick. He's not slow. He's he's okay enough. He's he's very good on the ball. He makes the right decisions. He's very dangerous, but he'll be in the side, I think, if he's fit. He's just very good defensively as well. He does that work and he's very disciplined. Yeah. And he's got the kind of mentality. He's got the mentality that Ten Hag really wants. Yeah. Right? This, I will win at any cost. They, Even if I have to fight everyone for it. Yeah. The the one thing that I have, not so much with Anthony, but it's the combinations that Tenog settling on at the moment. And Dallow played on Wednesday night. So that might indicate that Wambasaka is going to start on Sunday. And if he does, you might think that Fernandez will play in front of Wambasaka because he, he tends to like Dallow and Anthony together. So he can overlap and create that space for Anthony to come in and shoot right. that curling shot on his left, which then you would say. I don't see, even though he played well and scored the goal, I don't see a situation where Garnacho starts. So no, no, and so yeah. it could. You could be right. It could be Bruno Wright, Vegcosters, false nine, Rashford as nine nine, and Sancho in the side. That's a, there's a there's an argument for that. Yeah, it's been cold. He probably wants Anthony ahead of him, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Is it? Is, they're both options are on the table. Yeah, well, Plan B and Plan C, really. So yeah, yeah. and yeah, we've got Garn actually to come off the bench. I'm sure. I'm sure he won't start, but he can be devastating in that last twenty minutes. Can you imagine the scene is set right? Well, it's not. Cuts let's... inside, bangs one in the top corner at the cop end. Ed, I was going to say, don't, don't say it. Does the scene is set? Just let the scene be set. But no, no, okay. you've had to go and write the storyline, and if it happens, we've it happens. seen this film and we know how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. we hope. Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. All right, very good. <laughs> All right, I guess we will call it a day there. United victorious at Anfield. Do you reckon? I'm not going that far. I am, I, no, no, no. I'm going. I, I'm just going to go back. Yeah, you've jinxed it there with with your Garnacho plot. But I will just retreat back to my earlier comment of it's the most confident I felt this and sincerely this century. And I, I, I've given that some thought. By the way, that's not a flipping arbitrary figure that I've plucked out. I, I, it's honestly the most confident I felt for. This period yeah, of time, and yeah, but I'm not going to give you. And I thoroughly recommend he does. But... Yeah, a result prediction. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, I tell you what, my my scene that I've set of Garnacho bending one into the top corner at the cop end to win the game only happens if Bruno wins the toss and forces Liverpool to attack the cop in the first half, which Anfield will hate. Anyway, I, I'm writing the entire script here. Yeah, you can uh, start. I, I'm, to I'm confident. Like you, I am confident. I'm confident and maybe overconfident, but that's that's what Ten Hag has done for us. He's given us that belief, more than belief now. It's not just hope. We 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 think it's going to happen. Magnificent turnaround. Yeah. And to think we were Ten Hag out a few weeks ago. And I did quick... like on Twitter when someone like copied and pasted that tweet after United lost to Cadiz in, in that warm-up game yeah. after the World Cup. I, I wrote Ten Hag out on Twitter. And uh, uh, there needs to be a little button. Elon, if you're listening, I know you're a United fan, so maybe you are. Can we have a sarcasm button on Twitter so it flags it as, this is a joke, folks? 
Anyway, oh, that's half I the did, fun. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, that was great. I, I thought he might have been even red. Well, he, he did quote tweet the tweet, but that's been a running theme since Christmas. Whenever we've been on the pod together, I've made a little joke here and there. And I just, yeah. Ten hog in at the moment, obviously, but you know, you never one know. game at a time, folks. Yeah, yeah, you never know how quickly things can change in this game. <laughs> oh, so. oh god. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. No backers content. We're back at the weekend with backers content. Patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod if you want to support our work. And so we really appreciate it and hope everyone enjoys Sunday's match.